evening everyone welcome to our evening Dhamma tonight we are looking at purification through knowledge and vision That's the name. That's the official name. That's the ancient name of this last purification. So the the, the sixth purification is called Pati Patipada Jnana Dasana Visuddhi. Patipada means practice. Jnana dasana visuddhi means not purification through knowledge and vision. So patipada jnana dasana visuddhi. Number seven is just jnana dasana visuddhi. It's the same name, it's just got patipada removed. Patipada. Which I guess is to just emphasize that this knowledge and vision is is the real knowledge and vision. It's the one that counts. It's the one that means something. It's knowledge and vision that leads to that constitutes freedom. Freedom. So there are five kinds of freedom in Buddhism. This um, this purification is the most important, and it's uh, interest. Ironically, it's the um, the one we have the least to say about, the least to talk about, because it's it's very much beyond speech, beyond conception. hard to understand. So we talk about it in context, the context of the five types of freedom. First type of freedom is called Vikambana uh, Vimuti. Vikambana means suppression. Freedom through suppression. And we're talking when we talk about freedom, we mean freedom from suffering. So this this one should be familiar to us. We cover up. We come It's covering up. We have lots of ways of covering up, avoiding the problem. We immerse ourselves in things in diver diversion play or work relationships externalizing get caught up in society get a job, get a career anything to have to face yourself 
we become more and more inclined in society to avoid ourselves. We are taught to, in many ways, externalize. And a person who spends too much time with themselves, there must be something wrong with them. Because no one, you know, this isn't the way one should live one's life, obsessing over one's own mind. Right. We're expected to get beyond our problems To deal with our problems and move on As though dealing with our problems was something quite preliminary Yes, yes, you're, you're fine, now go and do what's really important right? Patch it up, cover it up and as a result, we walk around and we see everyone walking around with smiles on their faces, laughing and joking. And inside, screaming and yelling and, help me, help me, because we're all lost. It's quite depressing, because it seems like everyone else is so happy. <laughs> I'm not happy, why is everyone else so happy? And so we put on a good act. We even convince ourselves that we're happy. We lower our standards. We've been beat down so much that we learn ways to cope. And we accept a very limited sort of happiness. Limited sort of freedom. But there are ways, there are systematic ways of suppressing your, your problems And the Buddha taught these They're actually quite useful in a temporary sense There are all these ways of suppressing in, in, in the world But the highest form of suppression is through what we call the jhanas The samatha jhanas, where one tranquilizes the mind, calms the mind down fixes and focuses the mind on a single object and when the mind is fixed and focused all of the defilements are suppressed very useful in the short term not so useful in the long term not the goal, not true freedom the second type of purification of, of freedom is uh, the second type of freedom is tadanga vimutti, which is through opposites. And this one should be familiar to Buddhists. Um, this idea that there are certain types of meditation that um, redirect the mind. When one is angry, one cultivates love. When one is lustful or passionate, one cultivates uh, dispassion through you know, looking at the body, for example, and seeing how the body is not something beautiful or wonderful, and it's made up of kind of icky stuff, uh, fear, conquer fear by mindfulness of the Buddha for example all the way down to so so these 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 are also quite useful 
And they're useful beyond just suppressing, they're useful for retraining the mind, looking at the world differently. You don't like this person? Well, learn to love them. It does change you. It's not just about suppressing the anger. It's about finding a new way to look at the world. And this is conventionally useful. It's, it's actually quite supportive of our practice. The Buddha certainly taught several meditations like this. The four Brahma-viharas are a good example. And the highest form of, of opposites, of freedom through opposites, through opposition, is the seeing the three characteristics, right? We oppose the delusion. We oppose delusion through wisdom, which means the delusion of permanent stability. I'll hold on to this because it will last, it will protect me or satisfy me or stay with me be mine overcome that through seeing impermanence or through seeing suffering seeing that things can't satisfy us seeing that they're unsatisfying that they're stressful clinging to them is stress It's an important point because all that we've talked about up until now is just this, is the opposition. It's not actually true freedom. You can get all the way through the vipassana knowledges and go back to being a terrible person. Not in this lifetime, but uh, certainly in lifetimes to come, it's not a guarantee. It's a guarantee in this lifetime, apparently. They say if you just make it to the second stage of knowledge, you're what's called a chula sotapana. Chula means little, and Sotapanna means one who has found the stream. And why the term is used is because apparently a person who's reached the second of 16 stages of knowledge, um, in this lifetime, when they die from this life, they won't be born in any of the states of loss. So it's like a Sotapanna, because a Sotapanna will never be born in hell or uh, as an animal or so on. Uh, ever but a chula sotapanna in this lifetime for sure because they've understood karma they've understood cause and effect they've created such wholesomeness that it protects them but nonetheless that knowledge can go away you know, not in this lifetime in, in future lifetimes most definitely it's just called tadanga vimutti it's through seeing clearly you free yourself from delusion, obviously. It's like when you shine light in, the darkness goes away. But if you take the light away, the darkness, of course, comes back. Tadangavi Murti. Samuchedavi Murti. Samucheda means, cheda is cut. The, word, the root cheda means cutting. To cut, in regards to cutting. Sam, sang means totally, u I think means off in this case. Samut cheda means totally cutting off, real freedom. It's like burning your bridge, you can't go back. People are scared of Nibbana because what if I don't like it there? <laughs> what, if <I laughs> what if I want to go back? No, there's no going back. Scary, you know? 
it's not scary it's quite un quite understandable it's not a mistake you can't say whoops i made a mistake let me back it's not a, it, because it's it, the def by definition it's through perfect sight you know, not just this wisdom that we've been talking about but this is where we get into the seventh purification knowledge and vision you know you can't accidentally let go of something it's not possible you can't mistakenly and then later decide oh no I, that was really good for me you can't even let go of it if you still have any potential to think it's good for you right the only the way you you can suppress these are the first uh, the first two types of of freedom yes you can force yourself to give things up I don't want to feel this depression so I'll take pill and now I'm not depressed again depressed anymore you can pretend to be very happy look at how happy I am and you can suppress the unhappiness totally possible but that's not how that's not how Nibbana works I mean it, that's not sustainable by any means it's not real freedom Samuchedoimuti is, is totally cut off because you un, you know you see. It's like, I mean, it's just I can't explain why it is that way. It just is that way that when you see something so clearly, it's like a a tipping point. Or you know they they liken it to rubbing two sticks together and then it eventually lights in, on fire. But I think a tipping point makes a little more sense because you're pushing, 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 pushing. And, and the Buddha used this kind of uh, imagery as well you get to the tipping point and then you don't have to push anymore it's going it's 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 gonna fall in that direction it's gonna fall you get to the tipping point but be it as it may in the mind what happens is there comes this aha moment so it's kind of like rubbing two sticks together and igni ignition but it's more like the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, uh, in terms of knowledge. Like, you see, okay, yes, it's impermanent. Yes, it's impermanent. It's impermanent. It's impermanent. It's impermanent. And, and it's like a, a critical mass, like a feedback loop that just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, and like a sonic boom almost. The sound waves build up and build up. The knowledge builds up and builds up until the mind snaps and says, I get it. It's impermanent. I mean, it's not even a thought, right? It's at that point the mind snaps and, and it lets go. It's like, <sighs> right? Mind completely lets go. Even just for a moment. And that moment is called samuchedavimurti. It doesn't. It doesn't even. Even by definition, it, it's it's hard to understand why that is. You know, okay, so what happened? You 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 let go for a moment. Just a moment, right? But that letting go. We'll see, and we'll talk about because when we talk about the other two, this is the third type of freedom. It's freedom, because of what comes next. It's the freedom of the path. It's called the path because it's what does the work. 
because of what comes next. So this moment where this realization where finally you see impermanence or suffering or non-self, it's one of the three characteristics will become very clear just in a moment. And it's just like the last, the final straw and you're done. I'm out of here. The mind lets go, leaves. Uh, that's number three. Number four is the next moment and, and moments that come after it where the mind experiences Nibbana. That's how we, how we describe what happens, how we, how we label what, it, what is happening. It's misleading because it's not like suddenly, woo, I'm in Nibbana. <laughs> it's not like that. Experiences Nibbana means experiences unbinding. It's like uh, a release. So there's no seeing, no hearing, no smelling, no tasting, no feeling, and no thinking. Not even any consciousness in the sense that we understand it. In the sense that we would be aware, you know. Not any consciousness in that sense. And that can last a long time. It can last up to seven days, apparently. And that's called Patipasadhi Vimuti. And this is the key. This one is the key. I mean, well, the last one is the key, but this one is it's called the fruit. This is the experience. The path is what cuts off, but this is the, the, cut, the cut off point. Or the, the cut off period where you, you've been cut off. Patipasadhi Mukti. Number four, and, and then the mind comes back, and, and of course, then there's more stress and, and what we would call suffering, but in the sense of more existence. But something's changed. Why it's cutting off, why we call that third one cutting off is because when you come back you have a a knowledge that something happened that experience i mean it's not even really a thought about it but there's this peace in your mind there's this profound and and new peace you feel like a new person in many ways and then you see oh I've still got lots of work left to do but something's changed it's cut off because you've seen you've experienced for yourself true freedom you've, you've experienced what is outside of samsara and so by comparison samsara loses all of its color, all of its attraction or some of its attraction and over time through repeated experiences of the alternative more and more of our attachment to samsara is, is cut off not by accident but by, by undeniable understanding that there's something better Until finally one frees oneself from all attachment to samsara and attains the fifth freedom, which is called nisaranamimuti, which is through escape. 
once one is completely free from any attachment to anything then there is complete freedom so the seventh stage of knowledge is these last three it's knowledge and vision it's this claim that Buddhism makes that samsara is not the end not the be all end all it's not it's not the final form it's not the ultimate state samsara is like a school you're here until you graduate it's a claim that we make either way it's true i mean it's it's considered to be the best way to look at life as a school as a learning experience because clearly you can become a better person and you can become a worse person meaning you can cultivate happiness and freedom from suffering and you can cultivate suffering and, and unhappiness so clearly learning how to be happy and free from suffering is there can't be anything better than that And so it's just a matter of understanding the implications of what that means That it's not some simple mundane short-term goal Freedom from suffering It's a long path that leads right out It really happened, there really is There is freedom from suffering It exists, it is real And that's the final purification. So, not a lot more to say about it than that. Thank you all for tuning in. That's the Dhamma for tonight. Go look at the questions page. Did it get fixed? Looks like it got fixed. Or it's just working. Anapanasati has 16 steps, Rupa Chitta 70, and Chitta. Is it possible to not processing in order? I don't teach that form of Anapanasati. Can we do a simulation of relinquishment before actually getting there? No. No, there's no such thing as a simulation. I mean, in some sense you can live like a noble being, but I'm not really quite sure what you're talking about. If we have attained stream entry, does that mean in future birth the first three fetters are already broken? No, they're already broken. They will be broken every lifetime to come. Can meditation solve any problem? I'm sure you could probably theoretically think of a problem that it couldn't solve. Uh, meditation, I mean the word, and the word meditation means many different things. Obviously the mind is the most powerful tool we have, so it's hard to imagine a problem that meditation of some sort couldn't solve, but theoretically there are problems. Like I'll give you a theoretically a problem that is unsolvable, right? How do we move an immovable object? Meditation can't solve that problem. 
but uh, I mean practically speaking things that are problems to us yes yes and in fact let's look at the immovable object problem it's only a problem because you want to move it if you stopped wanting to move it there would be no problem and meditation does that for you so even that problem is solved. I mean, meditation doesn't solve your problems, the meditation that we practice. Meditation helps you see that your problems are not problems, and the problem is that you think they're problems. And when you let go of that, then you have no problem. So, yes, pretty much can solve, free you from problems, because it st you stop looking at them as problems. Well, that was that was a few questions. Can't get rid of this last one, but that's all. Thank you all for coming out. Have a good night.